Hello, and welcome to the Hello Podcast. Hello. 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 Hello, Zerb. How's it going? Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome to episode five of TheaterCast. We've made it. Five episodes. We can just stop doing it now. We're done. Five episodes. We're good. Wear as many fingers as on your hand. Oh, I have two hands, though. So we need to go to at least episode 10? Is that what you're telling me? Well, I was also going to say, and your toes. Yeah, no one wants to look at my toes, though, so let's just stick with 10. <laughs> no, stop looking at my toes. You've got fingers for toes. Yeah, they're, they're long and grabby. Mine, too. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> okay. All right, anyways, uh, Pre- what's this podcast? Oh, I'm so sorry. This is TheaterCast. Oh, this is... Okay, good. TheaterCast. Not ToeCast. I'm in the right place, then. Okay, good. <laughs> Pre-recorded live here in the heart of Connecticut, here in K-Mac Studios. Shout out to Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, for everything in the K-Mac world tonight. He, my friend here, I'm pointing to Lewis because you can't see, but I'm pointing to Lewis. You can hear me, though. I'm here. Uh, He had enjoyed some of the delicious Omaha steaks, hot dogs, as supplied by Kevin McLaughlin. Yeah, thanks a lot for those. They were delicious and also very large. Very, very large. Yep. But thank being, thank being you, men, Omaha Steaks, too, for having a cool service like that. Yeah, definitely. Home-delivered meat. Take that, vegans. <laughs> vegans. So we're going to discuss a movie tonight, which happens to be... We say young together. and the Restless. No, wait. What did we watch? No, uh, Young Ones. Young Guns. Young... Oh, I remember. Meal. I remember now. It was in black and white. It was about everyone's favorite monster. It was Young Frankenstein. No. No, it wasn't? It was Did I watch the wrong movie? Frankenstein. Oh, yes, of course. Duh. It's Frankenstein. So get your tickets, grab your popcorn and drinks, take your seat, for the show is about to begin. Yay. Here's Johnny the truth. For theater, theater, theater. I'm funny, how? I'm funny, like I'm a clown, I abuse you. With Lewis and Zoom. Get busy living, or get busy dying. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. Are you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? For theater, cats. All right, so, young Frankenstein, huh? Uh, Frankenstein. Frankenstein is what it is. It's a comedy. It is a comedy. It's not your everyday spooktacular, scary story uh, version of Frankenstein. Can be added into the sum of Frankenstein films, in my opinion. I think it can be summed up, and, and you will get a very good idea without ever having to see it, by being told it was made by Mel Brooks. That's all. Yeah, That's it was made by know. Mel Brooks. You ever seen a thing made by Mel Brooks? You already have an idea of what this movie is like. This does take, if 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 I may. Yes, I can't say if any more than I just did. Okay, you may. Um, wouldn't you separate it from most of Mel Brooks's films by way of incredible writing and uh, the look of the film? It definitely had a style. Well, firstly, it was made in 1974, mm-hmm. so it has, you know, that old, uh, very visceral feel to it. All sound stages, 
very little in the way of special effects. True. So it has that feel to it. Um, also, entirely black and white. In an era when color was totally possible and not crazy expensive, still black and white. That was a choice. And he had a fight to go through to get it to be black and white because they said color is in now. Nobody wants to see a black and white movie. Why go backwards? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, and this isn't some uh, film school nerd like I'm going to make it black and white because it's emo or something. Like, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> emo. I don't know a lot of people in film school, so I can't really. I don't know. No, I understand. I'm, I assume they sound like that. They're like they do. Ugh, black and white. I, I used actual film. <laughs> Tell Buffy it'll make it when we make it. I don't, I, don't know. Know. I don't know where that was. Uh, the film was also uh, written by Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks. Yeah, they co-wrote it. Which is incredible, because Gene Wilder is a great writer. It's a Great writer, great actor. Great human being. Yeah. He's Willy Wonka. He will always be he, my Willy Wonka. He was Willy Wonka. If for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you didn't know who Gene Wilder was, he's freaking Willy Wonka. <laughs> All right? Yeah. He went down that crazy tunnel and went insane for a second and killed a bunch of kids. Or I, I assume they we died. We really have no way of knowing <gasps> exactly where we are going. I'm surprised that movie doesn't give more kids nightmares. <laughs> and there's no sign of it slowing. His signature yelling exists in this movie as well. Oh my gosh. So much screaming. And and it doesn't sound like you don't think of him as angry or anything. It's it's a it's a character style of yelling. He's excited, not pissed off. He wants in this character. He wants to succeed as Frankenstein, not Frankenstein. Yeah, which also you brought up the point at why Frankenstein, because this is a comedy movie that takes place. I I assume around 1974, which is when this movie came out. Uh, and he is the great grandson, or just grandson? I think he's only the grandson because if you, it, it was your grandfather who. The, the nerdy guy in his classroom, because he is a teacher at this point. So the student in the classroom stood up and took his glasses off and goes, pardon me. And he, and he says, yes, what is your question? And he says, isn't it true that your father tried to reanimate dead tissue into life tissue? And uh, he goes, we're not here to talk about the ranting lunatic who was happened to be my grandfather. We're here to discuss the science of reaction to the brain and how it reacts to this, that, and the other. Central nervous system stuff. He's a brain scientist. Yes. Surprise, surprise. Just <laughs> runs in the family. And this is why he wanted to differentiate himself from his grandfather. Yeah. And if you know anything about the story of Frankenstein, uh, it was one of creating a monster which wreaked havoc and, you know, all, everything you think of. Uh, it wasn't a great story i want to say it wasn't no i'm sorry i mean it wasn't uh good events that occurred in the story is gotcha, what i'm okay, trying okay. to say story is awesome yeah uh, lots of you know uh heartache and turmoil and even a little violence it just uh you know M mary shelley's the one who wrote the original yep it's not a rom-com it's a rom-com definitely not a romantic comedy uh, <laughs> it would oh. It would fall in the area of horror, I guess. Um, not like modern day horrors, but more of a 
psychological horror even, wouldn't you say? I've always attributed it to being the first zombie story. I guess, yeah. That, to me, would be the original zombie Frankenstein. Yeah, guy come back to life, shambling, killing, terrorizing. Not liking fire. Not liking fire. Do zombies not like fire? They're not particularly fond of it. They don't mind walking through it because it really doesn't bother them. But if you have a fire stick and you poke it at a zombie, they get a little like, what the hell's that? Yeah. I don't know why people try to kill zombies with fire. Who wants to smell extra crispy zombie? It'll probably be an improvement from what they smell like at the current time. True, true. Yeah, All right, we're getting off hot track, dog though. before you cook it. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, I, I have. Not the Omaha Steaks hot dogs, Which though. are delicious. Absolutely wonderful. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. Thank you. <laughs> um, so... He's, he's teaching now. Um, my, one of the big things in the very beginning of the movie is you're looking at a coffin of Frankenstein. Right in the beginning, and they open the coffin, and there's the corpse holding on to this very important box. That's right. Before you even get introduced to uh, you know Gene Wilder and his, uh, his whole, uh, what would you call it, lecture? Yeah. In college, their lectures, college class, whatever. Um, yeah, during the the very beginning of the movie, he's holding a box, very ornate with a big F on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess that's what really starts the the triggering of it. And the F is not a grade. No, the F is not a grade. I'm sure it stands for Frankenstein or Frankenstein. And so that's when after the class is over, all the kids are shuffling out. This old dude comes in. He's like, I've traveled 5,000 miles and I've brought you the will of your grandfather and this, that, and the other thing, which for some reason sends him to, was it Transylvania? Was that where they put him? That's not where Frankenstein actually happened, was it? Unfortunately, that's where it happened in this movie. But it it didn't happen in Mary Shelley's Transylvania, or uh, Frankenstein, did it? I don't know. I think the original Either way, that's where he starts heading off to. Somewhere in the Queens? I don't know. I don't know. Thus starting the story of young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Lots of lightning. Lots of lightning. Insert lightning sound effects now. Excellent. That was like you actually recorded Thank you so much. Thunder. I did that myself. Um, <clears throat> I learned that yeah. from Jerry. Jerry makes... When he coughs up a hairball, he does a lightning sound effect. That's odd. Electric cat. Jerry, cough up a hairball. Cool, he huh? didn't even turn his head. No, he's good. Sitting on that pizza box. Coughing up hairballs. <laughs> so I'm sure everyone here knows the story of Frankenstein. Yes. And I mean, you everyone have to here be living does. under a rock. Everyone yeah. listening to us even. How could you not know the story? Unless, you know, we have like a five-year-old listener who frankly has never heard of Frankenstein or a young enough listener to talk like this. Oh my God, today I went to the mall and I picked up three colors and I'm wearing them on my fingers right now. <laughs> that person has not seen Frankenstein, nor knows Possibly. Frankenstein. Go out and go to your local library and a library is a building that has books in it and DVDs. Rent or purchase or go somewhere and try to find Frankenstein and watch the movie, then watch Young Frankenstein. And if you're a hipster, read the book. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not a hipster and you can read, read the book, rent the movie. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Do both. Do all three. You know what? Just learn about Frankenstein, damn it, so we could tell our freaking podcast, would you? <laughs> <laughs> and well, let me ask you this question. All right, all right. 
So you know the story of Frankenstein? This is basically a retelling of that with a whole lot of comedy. That's it. But let's get into about the movie itself, not just the story. Let's get into... uh, Our questions. Yeah, the kinds of stuff we normally talk about. And I have a question for you, Lewis. What's that? Who made this? Well, Mel Brooks. That's it? I, is there much else to say about it? Well, uh, Mel Brooks, along with uh, Gene Wilder writing it, but otherwise Mel Brooks directed it, gave production, gave ideas. Um, it wouldn't have happened without him. Picked, I mean, you definitely picked, say that. Yeah. Picked the cast that normally would be picked for this type of event, which is your usual Madeline Kahn. You've got... Uh, uh, a lot of the same people that were in Blazing Saddles were in this movie. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, when you when you got a winning team, you like to reuse your your actors and your directors and all that nonsense. With and with the added glory of Marty Feldman. Yep. Nothing better than Marty Feldman. I I gotta take this time is. too because I gotta I gotta say, Mel Brooks man, still around. Eighty nine, you said? Eight eight. Well, he was born in nineteen twenty six. So if we do the math real quick, carry the one, all this hell. Is is that how that works? He's ninety one. Is that math? No. (gasps) Yeah. Ninety one years old. Ninety one years old. You know how I knew that? Because Jerry Lewis, God bless him, passed away at ninety one and he was born in nineteen twenty six as well. (gasps) Uh, Ah RIP Jerry. Let's hope Mel Brooks doesn't go that way. Rip Jerry? Uh, yeah, I I don't think he's going anywhere because he's got really good Jewish background, which means he eats better than. Well, no, Jerry Lewis is Jewish. Jerish. Did you know about the Jerrys? Yeah, they traveled I, just as far, but uh, they had ice cream along the way. Yeah, the Jerrys they uh, secretly control the economy. Of course, um, they love money. They don't. That's pinch the Jerrys, right? They actually spin them on a table. All right, let me tell you about Mel Brooks. All Please right, do. And this is more so for the the younger ones out there who haven't had an opportunity to experience a good Mel Brooks movie. Check them out. Look them up. Rent them. Do whatever it is that you do when you're listening to this to get (laughs) movies. All right? On demand. uh, Holograms. I don't know when you're listening to this, but do it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe even YouTube. Some of them are up there for free because they're so old. There's no copyrights anymore. No. But... Mel Brooks, his comedies are well known for their style. Young Frankenstein, no exception. Right. But Mel Brooks is famous for some movies that you at least have heard of. Movies such as The Producers. Great. And The Producers 2005 remake. I'm turning on a light for you. Sounds good. Continue. Does that help at all? Yeah. Okay. Uh... He's famous for Get Smart, the TV show from 1965 to 1970. I did not know that. 138 episodes. I'd say that was a pretty successful TV show. I did show. not know that. that. You didn't know? And that makes so much sense now because of the kind of comedy it was. I had no clue that Get Smart was a Mel Brooks production. He was the creator. God bless him. Yeah, yeah. Continue. Um, also, they made another Get Smart TV show in 1995. Okay. I guess they were rebooting that. Mm-hmm. Before reboot was even a thing, people said. <laughs> no, they they called them re-snickers. Re-snickers, yeah. Sneakers. God, Kevin's got a speech impediment tonight. <laughs> uh, the Get Smart movie in 2008. Pretty much anything that says Get Smart, Mel Brooks did it. That is so awesome. Yeah. Oh, and they're... Steve uh, Carell. Just on a side note, they're coming out with Get Smart too soon. I, I, don't, I don't know when, but... 
Just okay. Keep your heads up, guys. It's it's gonna be out there uh, eventually, or it already is, depending on when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, right. Blazing Saddles. You already mentioned that I one. I love Blazing Saddles. I could watch that over and over again. Yeah, watch yourself some Blazing Saddles. Greatest movie ever made. Uh, History of the World Part One. Greatest movie ever yep. made. That one just <laughs> that one just screams Mel Brooks. Yes, if you does. had to watch a movie and be like, "What's the most Mel Brooksy movie out there?" It'd probably be either that or next one on my list, Spaceballs. Spaceballs is awesome. Yeah, I heard something about. Are, are they gonna remake? They're gonna do another Spaceballs. I hope if they do, they let Mel take care of it. But I haven't heard. But I, I would hope that Mel would have something to. Do. I heard something about it with like the the revamping of the Star Wars, uh, you know, Enterprise. They should. That they might as well also redo Spaceballs. John Candy. Or if not redo it, just another Spaceballs movie. Yeah, John Candy would be hard to replace. Yes. I'm sure they could find someone. Though. As Wolf, what's his name? Oh, I haven't seen it in years. Me too. Go watch it. <laughs> Do you have high anxiety on the list? I don't have high anxiety. That's I have Robin Hood favorite. Men in Tights. That counts. That counts. I love that movie too. That is a very funny movie. 1993's um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Watch it. High, high anxiety and silent movie are two movies that he made. Oh, the the list was long. Not only did he produce and write and direct a lot of these movies, some movies he was just straight up an actor in. So his filmography is long. Extensive. Check it out on IMDb or wherever it is you look at your stuff. It, definitely. And and again, type in some of these names into uh, YouTube. I know you can see ninety seven percent of this on YouTube. Definitely. Mm. Oh, he, uh, The Simpsons. Really? Oh, yeah. He's got a whole bunch of credits for The Simpsons. He even was a voice on it once. Wow. Uh, he wrote a bunch of episodes. Yeah. Good. He's he's all up in The Simpsons. Uh, and stuff that's really modern, too. Curb, he wrote a bunch of episodes of Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yep. I was aware of that. It's so much more. Just He's still doing stuff. His so, latest film credit was 2016, and he's still working on stuff that's yet to come out, so... Guy's busy. Busy for 91. Holy crap. I'd be lucky if I lived to 91, let alone doing stuff. Jeez. I'm living my life now as if I was 91. (laughs) Podcasting is just something I do at what my age should be doing. But otherwise, everything else I do is just sitting on my butt, staring out the lake, wondering when my next portion of Metamucil is coming. Yeah, and yelling at the kids to get off your lawn. Exactly. Is that what that walker is for? Yeah. Oh. You, you notice I have the uh, tennis balls on them so they don't hear me coming? Yeah. It's my S- silencer. S- silencer, baby. Your walker silencer. How much money did this film make, Young Frankenstein? Uh, when I looked it up, it cost uh, almost $3 million. I think it was like $2.8 million to make. Wow. And it raked in quite a bit of dough. And it's one of those movies that's still making money today. It Just should. in, uh, you know, rights uh, management, uh, when it streams and when people buy it digitally. Um, the numbers were all over the place, but in, in the United States, at least, it made like 80-something million dollars. Netflixable at the current moment. It is. It's Netflixable. Yep. Check it out on Netflix. If you have a Netflix subscription, you can just stream it right online, watch it. Um, the The price tag is understandable because of the scenery. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but in my mind, I'm pretty positive that they made this movie on the same set of the original Frankenstein. Really? As far as I can remember, that was told. All of the equipment that was used and some of the um, props were the original props from the original movie. 
Makes sense, because the look and feel of the movie is very much the look and feel of the original Frankenstein. Right. So, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I got a question. Another one? I'm sorry, there's going to be four more. Oh, all right. Let's get this over with. Who starred in this movie, Lou? <gasps> oh, actually, I like this question. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm going to talk about my pal, Gene Wilder. <laughs> we already talked about him a little bit. He was co-writer, but he was also the star. He was Frankenstein. Sorry, Frankenstein. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Don't we'll make that mistake. Keep correcting ourselves on that one. <laughs> uh, mis- intentionally mispronouncing his name so he wouldn't be associated with his grandfather who, you know, created a big mess uh, in the town where his yeah, castle was. Tissue back to life. What the hell was wrong with him? Ah, what a hack, right? You know? Um, And I, I feel like he, he brought... Well, he brought his Gene Wilderness to the movie. His hair was perfect in the film. His hair was perfect. Well, except a for a lot the like one... yours today. <laughs> I got I got long hair, folks. <laughs> long blonde, golden, beautiful locks. It's all mine, babies. Don't even think about it. Back off. I'm shedding intentionally so Kevin will have something to staple to his head. <laughs> all right, Gene Wilder. Uh, he, well, he died. Hey. Yeah, he's no longer with us. What he lived do? a wonderful life. He passed away, unfortunately. Uh, Last year. Complications of Alzheimer's. We kept yeah. that a big secret. What are you going to do? And he wanted everybody to remember him as Willy Wonka and didn't want the kids to know that he was sick. So he t- he disappeared and and did it gracefully. And yes, he died. 2016, he died, born in 1933. He had a decent run. Yeah, very decent run. Quite an acting career, too. His filmography was very long as well. A lot of his movies were in the, you know, 70s, uh, 80s, 60s, even. He's got stuff going back. Um, I happen to own the hard one to find, uh, The Brother of Sherlock Holmes. The brother of Sherlock Holmes. It's, yeah. it's. I think it's called Sherlock Holmes's younger brother, and <laughs> it's it's a comedy writing sort of like, uh, um, sort of like the producers mixed with Young Frankenstein, but having to do with uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, of course, his younger brother who who also solves crimes and not as well, <laughs> but it's about the same. Well, he was definitely a a staple of comedy and those. I mean, Willy Wonka, I guess, you know, is a comedy, right? It's it's a children's story mixed with a comedy, mixed with... Um, horror, absolute it horror. Was def- and the original book was scary, which, it, which is what it was supposed to be. But he brought a safe... He was like the he was like base. When you were too scared and you had to run somewhere, you go to Willy Wonka and he'd be base for you. And in a connection, by the way, from our last episode, Deep Roy was in the remake, which sucks. But go ahead. Well, he has a filmography that goes from the early 60s to 2003. Uh, He was on a few episodes of Will and Grace. That's right. He played it. And didn't he have his own television show for a little while? Oh, probably. I don't know. I didn't look at all of it. But um, Alice in Wonderland, the TV movie. Yep. uh, He was on some episodes of Sesame Street. Uh, a whole bunch of movies just did a lot so with uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah, they were like buddies timeline. or something, right? Yes, very, very, very close. They were in several movies together. Very close. And um, uh, 
he did a lot of work. He was in love with Gilda Radner. He was married to Gilda Radner for her right before she passed away oh. of cancer, I think. He was married to her. Yeah, they if were he married. was alive today, he'd be one of those people you you were paying attention to. Definitely, you would. He would be one of those A list celebrities uh, that you'd be paying attention to. He'd be on the cover of People. Who's he married to now? Well, well he's and he was a genius. He's on this crazy diet. He was. <laughs> he's on this crazy diet. <laughs> he's a genius as well. Yes. Gene Wilder eats nothing but everlasting gobstoppers. <laughs> That's right. Keeps the weight off. How about Madeline Kahn? Oh, she was amazing. Madeline Kahn is an incredible actress who also passed away from cancer at a very young age. Um, she Well, young-ish. Young, mean, she young. wasn't 30 when she passed away. She oh, was she more like... 50s? Late 50s? Uh, she was born in 1942, died in 1999. So she was... Late 50s. Late 50s. She, too she, young. That's, that can be said. Definitely too young. Died too young. I'm trying so hard to remember serious movies she was in, but I can't think of any. How about uh, A Bug's Life? She was a voice actress. That was very, very serious. I have a copy of that somewhere. (laughs) Um, She she was good in that as well. But she had such a range with her voice. You know what? She was also on Sesame Street. Yes. Bitch Gene Wilder had a hand in that. Probably. Well, you know, like I said earlier, you got a good team, you stick together, you make some good stuff. That's what I'm saying. Uh, oh, 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 I like this one. She was in the movie Clue. I have Clue as well. I have to always say something like that when we talk about a movie. If the movie comes out, I have it. I have to say I have it. But Clue, I have not seen in my life. Clue is one of those uh, those those weird cult movies that I've not a lot of people it. have seen, but I always recommend seeing just because of its kooky nature. and Tim Curry's in it. I got to see Curry's it. I'm a it, big Tim Curry freak. And I still haven't seen the damn movie. Uh, a whole a whole bunch of other movies. She, one of the, my favorite roles of her still is, I am so tired, tired of being admired. And then, uh, 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 well, she's singing while the music's going from Blazing Saddle. <laughs> I don't know why, but I like that character. I'm sorry. Oh, it's it's understandable. I mean, when you got a good actress, you got a good actress. It's true, and she is just uh, countlessly perfect. And what does that mean? She is. Um, she never lets you down in a film. All right. Now to the character that probably it, it almost seemed like he was stealing. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. time from Gene Wilder in his role of Igor. I'm sorry, Igor. <laughs> Gotta say it right. He's got it, when you see this character, you'll be like, "Oh, I've seen screenshots or I've seen clips from Young Frankenstein," because he's got these crazy bug eyes and the hunchback of Igor, <laughs> and he's a laugh a minute. In fact, pretty much every time he talks, it's something, something pretty s- like silly, yeah, or a joke, one-liner, a something. And he's uh, the character I think. I think he's the only one in the whole movie that like really borderline breaks the fourth wall because he's always glancing at the camera like, ah, did you hear what I just said? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he has that. He has that kind of thing going, but he also is this sarcastic little kid because whenever you tick him off and he's like, well, da, 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 da. <laughs> and he's got a lot of that. An example of which will be like uh, he points to you know one of those big, 
you know, Frankenstein movie looking electrical switches. And he says, Oh, that's a dangerous looking switch up there. He's like, you go ahead. (laughs) And then when it happens, uh, he says something along the lines of, well, I had a hunch. And then he looks and literally (laughs) looks at the camera and goes, and points to his hunch. I guess that's not borderline breaking the fourth wall. That is breaking the fourth wall. He looks at us and says, ah, I made a funny laugh at my joke. Let's see how well you know the movie. You know, I'm a really good surgeon and I could fix that for you. I could, t- I could fix your hump for you. Well, hump. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how the hump switches places. Oh, yeah, that old shtick. I've seen that in a few random movies and, and like it always goes back to who did it first? We may never know, or someone does, and they probably died. But maybe Abbott and Costello could have been. Laurel but there's always that thing where someone has a, a, a very Chaplin. pronounced physical trait that changes during the Location. filming intentionally, not like a goof. Like it, it's intentionally moving. It's one of them tropes that hangs out. Ah, uh, there was a Kevin Smith movie with uh, Johnny Depp in it not that long ago, and he had a mole on his face, and every single shot the mole would be in a different place <laughs> on his face. And then one of the cuts they do to Johnny Depp, he has like 15 moles on his face, and then they cut away and they cut back, and it's back where it began. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but... Oh, I don't remember is It isn't Darko, something Johnny Darko or something? No, no, this came out just a couple of years ago. Oh, then I have no clue. Yeah, it's a bizarre movie. I don't know. Look it up. We'll put it in the show description. Yeah. Whatever. We will? Yeah, I don't know. You will. <laughs> oh, Terry Gar. Ter- who? Terry Gar, I was going to mention her. Ah, She's in the yes. Uh, the other, uh, well, I don't want to say the other, but... Uh, I've had a crush on Terry Gar since Mr. Mom. You have? Yeah. Why? Well, three reasons. Okay. Wow. List them out. Number right. one. She was in Mr. Mom, and she was really good looking. And when I was a kid and I saw Mr. Mom, I think one of my first crushes, aside from Sybil Shepherd, was Terry Gar. Uh, number two. Number two. This movie, because she, the first words out of her mouth, would you like to have a roll in the hay? Roll in the hay! That, that really, it set the tone for her character. Kind of a, a little ditzy, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, it. it also lets you know that there's going to be a lot of innuendo in oh, this yeah. movie. A lot more than I thought. I thought it was just going to be super goofy, but it seemed like every third joke was uh, some kind of innuendo. And the first time I saw the movie, just to get, a, I'll be right back to Terry Gar for my third. But uh, when you see the movie when I was younger, I didn't get any of the jokes, but they were funny for some reason. But I didn't understand the innuendo, of course. And then when you get older, you get a treat because by that time you know what's going on in life. And you know about the bees and the blades, and therefore that makes the movie twice as funny as it was the first time that you saw it. Well, that joke is ageless. I mean, yeah. she literally falls down and she says that line, which obviously you know has its uh, second meaning. Mm-hmm. And then she literally just starts rolling, rolling in the hay, rolling in the hay, <laughs> while literally rolling in hay. That's something else, I tell Would you. Would you like to roll in the, have a roll in the hay? Number three, um, she mm. has MS, the same MS I got. Oh, so that makes me love her because it's like a, we have a connection. Yeah, so those are the three reasons I am a huge Terry Gar fan. I'm going to burp really loud. Excuse me. That sounded stressful. <laughs> well, you know, I've been working a lot lately. All right, who else? Should we mention anyone else? Who? I think you should definitely mention this gentleman. Oh, jeez. 
What was his character's deal, anyways? I don't. Kenneth Mars. Yeah, Kenneth Mars. Okay, so only a serious actor, as far as I know. Did I just miss something? And there was something to his character with his weird uh, limbs. And well, that's just it. He's a soldier who obviously survived a war. And had, um, wasn't there a part in the film where, where another hand was mailed to him or he had a replacement sent? I know at the very end of the movie, uh, Frankenstein's monster gives him a handshake and rips his prosthetic off. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but, it, but yeah, his hand is used not only as a waving device, but a lighter. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he has fire on his fingers so he can light a cigar and it's used as a... Uh, uh, a dart throwing machine for the dartboard when he's having a conversation with Dr. Frank. I think that was more of a hindrance because he just like gave up and ran up to the dartboard when Frankenstein wasn't looking and stuck them all in there. Yeah, made some sound effects that he was throwing darts. Um, it, yeah, he had to like physically move his arms. They weren't like good modern prosthetics. They were basically for show. Yeah, exactly. See, I actually, I thought when I first saw it, that his character must have had his arms come off because of a previous Frankenstein's monster. Because there is a part when they're all having that town uh, meeting, meeting, and uh, they made some comment about uh, five previous uh, events. And I'm thinking, like, there's been five different Frankenstein events? I think they just kick these people out and not let them keep coming back and making <laughs> Frankenstein's monsters. That's um, true. I read a trivia thing, though, that said that was more of a wink and a nod to the five previous uh, Universal movies, Frankenstein okay. uh, movies. And like this uh, a Bride of Frankenstein and this is the century other ones. <laughs> I have Bride of Frankenstein, and I love Bride of Frankenstein. That would have been the second Frankenstein film. Yeah, that would have been the second one. Third then it was Son. Son of Frankenstein. Son of Frankenstein. Fourth would have been Frankenstein Goes to Hollywood. And then the fifth one... Weekend at Frankenstein's. Weekend at Frankenstein's. Where they play the mamba music, and then he gets up and... Yeah, that's how they reanimate Frankenstein in that one. That's true. It was an 80s movie. All right, who who else do we got in here? I mean, there wasn't a huge cast, right? Uh, There were a lot of extras for the villagers. Um, You know, obviously we got... Basically, Frankenstein, his assistant, then Igor. And of course, uh, what would you call her? Not a housemaid. House attendant? A nanny. Nanny? (laughs) Uh, I guess. She wasn't very nanny-like. Unless we're talking about a nanny in a porno. All right. (laughs) Cloris Leachman, she... Who does she play? She... (laughs) I'm going to try not to to mess up this, uh, this name too much. Sure. Oh my gosh, she has a lot of film credits. Yeah, I know. I know. Tons. Does this woman ever take a vacation? No, she is an amazing actress and still is going. I just I just scrolled like five pages down and we're only in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Young Frankenstein. Cloris Leachman plays. It's Frau Blucher. I I have to read it. I can't just say it. I won't be able to say it. Also, I can't find it. Almost like you're saying blue cor- coriander, but don't say coriander. Just go flab blucher. All right. It's her name, Frau Blucher. 
Did you hear that? Okay, that was that was weird. I didn't even know. We're on a lake. Where would there be horses? I don't. Sometimes there's wild horses on a lake. All right. Anyways, she plays Frau Blucher. All right, that's a, that's, that's weird. weird. That's really weird. Shelly, you okay in there? That was kind of the bit in the movie, right? I don't know why that would be know. happening I, right I, now. I don't know. But yes, that's a, another stylized Mel Brooksian. Uh, I, I'm going to coin that term right now. Mel, Please, Bo- Mel, Mel. Brooksian. Very Brooksian. Uh, style of comedy in which there's uh, a type of reaction that gets played and played and played and played and played and revisited <laughs> later in the movie. And, and played you and wonder, played and played. why do the horses make noise when the name is called? Well, it's that rule of comedy. You do anything for long enough and it becomes funny, even if it's not funny the first time. Well, my head, my head is deranged. So there's a little part of me that thinks maybe she's doing things to the horses that are not sane. I think it was just meant to be like, uh, she's old and kind of gross. And so even the horses don't like her. Even, yeah, even. <laughs> she's just even unlikable. Nature, nature the, all animals just disrespect this woman. Just doesn't belong Every on time planet. they say her name, Frau Blucher. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So, so you get the, the idea. Yeah, okay. We're not going to say that anymore. The horse is Winnie. Blucher. Yeah, and then, of course, Igor, he does that fourth wall thing again where he pops his head out after they've heard the horses whinny a bunch of times and just says her name and then, like, <laughs> smiles at the camera. Cha-cha-cha. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> and finally, who do we have? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman as the blind Gene man. Gene Hackman. That's, that's awesome. He could have his own label logo for uh, deodorant. Two genes in this movie. That's right. Right? And what would happen when they go, Gene, do you know that part? And they both turn around and goes, yes. You know what's special about the name Gene? Um, if you put an S on it, you're wearing pants? No. Also, incorrect. Jeans. <laughs> yeah, it's spelled J-E, other letters. Doesn't start with a G. Never try to make it funny when you're with a smart person. No, you know, you know what's awesome about Gene? Is my middle name. I didn't know that. Well, now you do. That's what that G stands for. That is what the G stands for. I tell people it stands for great, but it's actually for Gene. Less exciting. <laughs> Louis Gene Palmieri. Yeah. I like that. Hey. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Oh? What is this movie about, really? Even though we've already said it 20 times. It's a, it's a rehashing of the whole Frankenstein's monster thing. So I'm going to try to bang this out in about 45 seconds. Frankenstein. Wait. wait. Oh, oh, you're gonna. He set. He set in a timer. Tick tock. Tick tock. Go. Oh, excellent. Um. Yeah. The great. What? Great grandson. Grandson. Whatever. Frankenstein. Wasted gets ten a seconds. Call. Right there. <laughs> he gets a call to go back to, I guess, Transylvania in his castle for, uh, you know, family crap. Uh, then he gets it in his head. You know what? It is all real. My grandfather did reanimate a corpse. And it so worked. he goes and he finds himself a corpse, finds himself a brain. Turns out not to be the best brain in the world. Thank you, Igor. Uh, and he reanimates an monster. <laughs> an abnormal brain. <laughs> uh, reanimates a monster. The monster causes trouble. The townspeople are sick and tired of all these monsters. So they're after him, too. Monster gets out for a bit. Ah, there's a whole bunch of little things that go on with his fiance and the monster, if you know what I'm talking about. Innuendo. Uh, in her endo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. 
in the end, uh, he kind of cures the monster. Uh, he, some romance happens with his assistant and not his fiance. Uh, kind of ends on a good note, actually. It really does. And the only twist with this, and that was 45 seconds. Very good. Um, the the twist with this film is that the way that he fixes the monster is trying to transplant the brain waves into him. Yeah, he does some, uh, you know, sci-fi, not really explained, hooking up of cables and tubes from his brain to the monster's brain. And I guess he gives him a little something of what he has to stabilize him and make him less monster-like. I think all Mel Brooks films reach a point where they go, you know what? We had a blast. Let's just wrap this up. What can we do? I know. Why don't we switch the brain chemistry between the two? How do we do that? Doesn't matter. Just brains change the brain chemistry. Yep. And that's how lots we'll of film. lightning and uh, you know Jacob's <laughs> ladders and all. <laughs> yeah. Hallmark Frankenstein stuff. So that's what the movie is about. That's it. It's a comedy. We can't really go into explaining the whole movie. There's no crazy twists or, or hooks or anything like that. It You have to be there for the jokes. So go watch the movie. And, and the best part about that is, is that there's not one second wasted while you watch it. You don't go, okay, come on. You're not going to look at your watch while you're watching this film. No. And if you're 15 years old and you're used to, you know, uh, comedies coming at you machine gun style, have a little patience. Take a Valium or something. However, Sit down. This is a pretty good Thompson. Yeah, actually, every scene has a joke or has yeah. a bit that is going to make you chuckle. I think no matter how old you are, you'll get it. And I did LOL a I, few times. I did too. Last night, I was watching it probably for the six millionth time. I started it up again so we could, because I knew we were going to watch or talk about it today. I started giggling, and Shelly goes, what are you laughing at? And I said, is this young Frankenstein again? She goes, oh, yeah. I feel ashamed. <laughs> I've seen a lot of Mel Brooks movies, and this was actually one that I haven't seen before. So oh I'm glad that gosh. you assigned it as uh, episode five, because it gave me an opportunity to see a movie I haven't seen before, wow. and I wasn't disappointed. Pretty good movie. Actually, Please. you know what? Out of ten Frankenstein's bolts, <laughs> I'd give it eight. Give it 8.2. Eight Frankenstein <laughs> bolts. You know, not a not the best movie I've ever seen, but worth a watch. Not the worst. Worth a sit down, pop some popcorn, use coconut oil. <laughs> coconut oil is awesome. Coconut oil is a great thing to uh, pop popcorn with. Throw it in the pan, throw some kernels in there, pop it with coconut oil. Total side note, nothing to do with the movie. Just try it out if you've never done it before. That's the way that TheaterCast looks out for you. Yeah, we're looking out for you. Omaha Steaks and Popcorn with Coconut Oil. Kevin McLaughlin, Angel. Thank you. Hey, I do have another question for you. More with the questions. All right, go ahead. Should there be a sequel? Nah, no need. It can't be. He's 91 years old and half the people are dead. All the people are dead. <gasps> we forgot to mention who played young Frankenstein, Peter oh, Boyle. Oh my gosh, how can we Peter move on to Boyle. question number five? We're schmoke. All right. Oh, Peter, forgive us, but he's dead. Yeah, okay. That doesn't make it any oh, worse on our part. Wouldn't it be awesome if we brought Peter Boyle here and tried reanimating the reanimation that he played? That would be so meta. That'd be weird. What are you Let's doing not here? do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's no. not reanimate Peter Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sentence you just don't Also, hear every day. you know, let's not do the thing that is required to reanimate Peter Boyle, which is grave rob. Oh, that's true. I believe it's a crime, maybe even a felony. Can you know. grave rent anymore? No, but you can grave Robert Barron. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> What's Robert Barron mean? I have a monopoly on 
graves and graveyards and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Just just go on. Just put that there one out. It can't be a sequel. So it's a question we always ask, but yeah, quite frankly, it's this... it's another Frankenstein movie. Also, it's comedy. Comedies really don't need sequels most of the time. Uh, you know, how many uh, Paul Blart mall cops should there have been? The answer is zero, but they made two. <laughs> All right, no need for a sequel on this. It was good, it was done, and also it can't really be done the same way, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good. And I don't own Paul Blart on (laughs) Blu-ray. You do, don't you? (laughs) No. I do have another question for you. Yay. All right, question it up. I'm getting used to these now. Would you have done anything different in this film? A couple of things. Really? Uh, Yeah. How dare ye? Well, yeah, I'm I'm actually surprising myself in saying this. But I feel like there needed to be a little bit more slapstick. I mean, we're talking about a, a big lumbering monster, right? We are, but they did a good job not what I would I, for, yeah, <laughs> call totally the understand. I smell toast. There was a couple of scenes I really liked. Uh Gene Ackman getting caught uh, sorry. Gene Wilder, Dr. Frankenstein getting stuck in the uh, big turny bookcase secret passageway. Put the candle back. Put the candle back. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great scene. And I like that he gets stuck in there and he's talking with that weird voice like, okay, I, I need you to put the candle down. Because <laughs> he's being squished. And that genuinely had me laughing. And I was like, oh man, this movie could have done with just a ex- little bit more slapstick, I think. And I didn't expect that to happen. I understood the, the trope of, of, oh, okay, now we're going to play the bookshelf scene. I didn't expect him to get pinched in it physically. No, it, it, went, it went on. I, th- I thought it was just going to be a one and done joke. Yes. But they got several jokes out of that. <laughs> I, think, I think that, and not to disagree with you, but I, I think the element of the Frankenstein movie in there where if you took the jokes out, that'd be a scary film. When you put the jokes back in it, it makes it tolerable, but it still it it captures that Frankensteinicity. It it might also just be my expectations from a Mel Brooks Frankincense. Yeah, <laughs> Frankincense <laughs> it carries that Frankincense. But like a, a lot of Mel Brooks, um, you know, a lot of the scenes are carried by physical acting, and uh, maybe I just was expecting more, and that's why I want more. The movie's fine the way it is, to be perfectly honest, but just a little more in the goofy, slapsticky way, I think, uh, could have benefited the movie. You'll never beat the dance-out scene in Blazing Saddles at the end when everybody crashes onto the dancing scene. Exactly. Like, you know, that's what I'm... Yeah, what are you going to do? Kick off your shoes. Dust off your head. Sorry. Um, I probably would have also um, divvied up the comedy a little more. Uh, it seemed like Igor and Frankenstein himself uh, were the ones really carrying the comedy torch in this. Maybe the inspector a little bit too. Every time yeah. you saw him, he was just basically a walking joke. And that's that, that physical comedy I'm talking about. Exactly. He was basically a prop as well as an actor. Um, but yeah, just divvy it up. Give some, some of the jokes to the other people. Terry could have used more. She was more a once in a blue. Comedy communism is what I'm looking Very for. Very good. <laughs> Com-com. Or socialism? You know what? Um, you can go to I think com-com. I'm on a list com. now, so let's cut that part out. Why don't we? No, I, I don't fine. condone communism. No, that's fine, but it's comcom.com if you want to see further what he's talking about. Com-com, com-com, com. Yes. 
Anyways, yeah. um, please come to ComCon. The movie, it's Con. really, it's fine. I like the actor, the the choices for actors. Uh, I like the way the sets looked. Uh, I liked the choice to make it black and white. Call back to the original. Yeah, uh, thank God they did that. Yeah, that would have ruined it if it was in color. It, Everything the film seemed been fine. Dead. Totally fine. Um, I do have something to test you on as, as well, and I'll, I'll, I'll try a test. A here. test. If All right. you're blue, you don't know where to go to. Why don't you go where fashion sits? Oh, you want me to sing? No, we sung last podcast. You can't get me to sing two. Po- <laughs> no, I won't do it. Stop with your mind games. Do it. Put on the reds. <laughs> I love that scene. I couldn't make anything different. I thought the thing from beginning to end was perfect. Still, my favorite scene when I think about it would be that teaching scene, just because aside from the fact that I love the comedy in this film and I love the slapstick in this film, my favorite thing is Gene Wilder and his acting in the beginning of that film where he's not being funny. And you look at his face and every word is acted perfectly. Very, very concise way of speaking. All of his lines very. were delivered with expertise. Yeah, it was clear and and uh, you know his cadence was perfect. He actually seemed like he was a very enthusiastic uh, professor at that college. Exactly. And when he even did the comedy, every word was perfectly placed with the perfect facial expression and acted to its. I wish that he got. I hope. He got an Academy Award for this. When he gets super excited at the end of his rant uh, during that scene and stabs himself with a scalpel in the thigh, <laughs> I that was that <laughs> was his hand and closes it back on the knife. Just that to make was sure one of my <laughs> that was one of my LOL moments. Yeah, not that particular moment, not when he stabs. But when, like you said, he examines what he just did By and then his crosses his legs very slowly to cover up his mistake from all the students. Dismissed. <laughs> uh, Genius. But, yeah, yeah, definitely is. Don't uh, let the uh, the slow comedic start uh, at the very beginning of the movie deter you from watching further. Just, just watch the whole thing. It's only uh, it's like an hour and 40 minutes long. At, at, at that... Now it's your turn to pick a movie. It is my turn to pick a movie, but I want this to be somewhat democratic. You know, you could veto it if you're like, absolutely not. Um, but one of the movies, it's in my like top 10 movies of no all problem. time that I like. I have a feeling I'll like it. I trust your movie choice. Blade Runner, the original. What the hell are you talking about? What am I talking about? Blade Ever Runner, since he was in the, the street original. directing traffic, Harrison Ford, can, did you see him in the street directing traffic? No, why was you he doing that? You didn't know about this? Is he senile? No, What's he's awesome. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of his. He got sick and tired of waiting. In tra- I don't know where this was located. He got sick and tired of waiting in traffic, knew what to do to get traffic moving, got out of his car, and Harrison Ford, you can watch the video on YouTube, is directing traffic and got the jam broken. He cleaned up the streets by clean. I think it was in New York City. Literally cleaned up Literally the streets. Literally got out and directed traffic to get the cars out of the way. So you yes. know what? That's actually that's that's really amazing. And no, He's I haven't awesome seen the guy. video, You've but I know it. what I'm googling tonight. Could you imagine driving by going, "Thank you, Harrison"? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it was. But no, yes, Blade I would Runner. love to see to do that. I have Blade Runner too. If you want to watch it together, based on the book, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" 
that and I did it not is, know. It is a really great story, and it's, it's one of those movies very much like the one we just talked about. It has a feel to it, mm-hmm. not just the way the characters acted or you know that kind of stuff. The actual look of the movie, uh, almost entirely practical effects, miniatures. Uh, you know, I haven't seen this yet. You haven't seen? I've never seen this movie, but oh. I have it. I own it. How do you own a movie and not seen it? Because I've always wanted to see it. <laughs> now's your chance. And now is my chance. And now is a good reason. I went to uh, the Motion Picture Museum in New York City, and they had a bunch of the miniatures used in the filming of that movie. Ooh. Oh, I have to see the movie first and then enjoy that. You could even uh, read the book. It's a quick, quick read. It's not that long. It's like a hundred some odd pages. I can't read. Why? It's not too late to teach no. you. No, my eyes wiggle. Back to school. Oh, that would be one to do, it, huh? It's Back to school would be a great movie to do. No, my eyes wiggle because of the MS. That's why I always make things much bigger than they need to be. And my eyes trip over the sentences, so I get screwed up every time I read. That's why other people read and do it oh. for me. Who made that at movie? Ridley Scott. Wow. Main star, Harrison Ford. We can talk more about it if that's the movie that you choose. But I chose. I should choose you. <laughs> even if you guys haven't, you know, see, uh, uh, even if we decide not to, we will use that movie. We will use that. Movie. He's saying we will, but we if for some definitely. reason we don't, still go out there, watch it. Great movie. Blade, Blade Runner, Runner. It is. Watch it, and if you really feel like it, and I'm talking to you hipsters again, coming back at you, bringing it around. Read the book. <laughs> If you guys could see his face during that sentence, you would have enjoyed that. Just saying. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, you can probably find it for like 49 cents in a dusty corner in some thrift store or at your Goodwill or buy, buy the digital copy even. I don't care. Just, just go get it. How about this? What is a hipster? You know, I don't know. I get accused of being a hipster a lot. I don't think that I am. Let's look it up. Ooh, hey, here's Learning Something with Lewis and Zerb. (laughs) Podcast mini-sode. In this tiny, tiny segment, we're going to talk about what is a hipster. Well, let me tell you what it is, Lewis. A person who follows the latest trends or fashion, especially those regarded to being outside the cultural mainstream. Yeah, that didn't help me understand what Not a hipster a is at damn all. Thing. I think everybody does. Well, a hipster was a fashion statement because I have black rim glasses. Well, a hipster well, definition in the dictionary, which is completely different from what I just read from Google, is a person who's trendy, stylish, and progressive in an unconventional way. Someone who is hip. You know, the unfortunate thing with you know something like a like a hipster or something like that. Eventually, enough people get on board that it just destroys the definition of what a hipster is. It's ridiculous. Oops. I thought a hipster was somebody like who listens to Brian Setzer music. When hipsters started becoming a thing, I always just remember that episode of Seinfeld when Elaine starts yelling at everyone, calling them hipster doofuses. You remember that? I think so, yeah. Uh, so the term hipster has been around for a while, I guess. It's and just, I guess it just changes over. I don't know. Man buns, beards. Flannel. Thank God you don't. You black used to have glasses. a man bun. No, I've never had a man bun. I have literally never bunned my hair. You could Not if you once. wanted to. Though. This is on the record. Zerb is a filthy, dirty liar. I've never man bunned my hair once. Ponytail, sure. 
Down, flowing, gorgeous like it is right now? Sure. Man bun? Never. I've man bunned. I might, though, just for the hell of it. You'll never see it. I'll do it alone at home. Those (laughs) aren't two pillows. I don't know. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. That's it. That's the end of the episode. We made it. So please, go check out Young Frankenstein. This has been an amazing thing to talk about. I do love that so much. Our next movie choice is Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner. The original. Uh, Watch a sequel to if you want. I don't care. And uh, please join us next time when Lewis says, Rolling in the hay, rolling in the hay, rolling in the hay. <laughs> no Flaubrucker? <laughs> Flaubrucker? <laughs> yeah, someone needs to call the horse exterminator. <laughs> I think so. All Observinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, please visit www.zerbinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Zerbinatorland, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-ZERB or 9372.